excited about that. Amen. All right. Here in Nehemiah chapter 3, as we look in verse 6, and uh, we are going to talk about the old gate here this morning. And so we have already talked about the sheep gate and the fish gate. And you say, what are we talking about these gates for? Well, these gates represent us as having revival. You and I that are saved and born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and needing a restoration, needing a renewing, needing a spiritual moving of God. We call it a revival. God would bring back the fire. God would bring back the calls, uh, bring energy back into our walk with God. And so in order for that to take place in Nehemiah's day, chapter 9 was that revival, but it took chapter 1 all the way up to chapter 9 to reach that revival. And so there's things in our lives, in our gates that we're speaking of, there's 10 of them, and each gate represents something within our lives that we need to either build or repair. And so we find in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 6, as we stand uh, to our feet, and we're going to read just one verse this morning, and then we'll talk about the old gate, and that is in verse 6 of Nehemiah chapter 3. It says, Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoda, the son of Phesha, and Melusim, the son of Besada. They laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you this morning for all that you've brought our way. God, thank you for the gathering of your people. Thank you for the assembling, God, of your children. We pray now, Lord, you'd open our eyes and hearts that we might be able to see and receive the things of God. Father, as we talk about the old gate and what it means and how it applies to us in this day, in this time, we pray, Father, that we would listen uh, very clearly and very plainly, Lord, that we might make some changes within our lives, God, some adjustments in our Christian walk. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll do something real special here this morning. God, that as we hear God's Word and as we open it up, God, that you might convict us of our sin, you might draw us unto thee, God, help us to see the old past, the old ways, the old landmarks as the way of life. God, the lifestyle in which we choose. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The last two uh, gates that we talked about, if you notice there in, that, in those verses, the Bible says in verse, chapter 1, verse 3, builded the sheep gate. Well, they're not going to build the old gate, but we're going to repair the old gate. It says that in verse 6, repairing the old gate. The sheep gate represented to us, represented of that day, was the gate where all sheep, goats, uh, any type of sacrifice that was going to go into the temple to be sacrificed went through that sheep gate. And so it represented the sacrifice uh, of our salvation. It represented the salvation of our souls. It represented the very Savior. And we're to build it up in our lives. We are to take our salvation. And it shouldn't be a day go by without us thanking God that we're saved. It should not be a day that goes by that we shouldn't be looking to the Savior and lifting Him up for forgiveness of our sins, the sacrifice that He gave on the cross of Calvary. You see, many a times when we get saved and we live our lives, uh, the salvation seems to 
be conversation anymore. It seems like the salvation of cross, of Calvary, the crucifixion, uh, the blood that was shed, and the forgiveness that was offered. Uh, we don't talk about that no more because it's old news. It's, it's something that we would not, uh, we know that already. It's kind of, uh, gets boring. Uh, yet today, that's why we need revival. We need revival because we need to lift up that sacrifice, that Savior, that salvation again in our lives and make it verbal in our prayer and make it verbal to those around us. I'm saved by the glory of God. I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus is Lord in my life. See, that needs to be built up. We found, secondly, near the sheep gate. We talked about the fish gate. And this is a natural move because it's right next to the sheep gate in the way of the walls and the, and the description and dimension of it. And as soon as you get shaved and born again, the word fish there always represents witnessing or represents testifying. And Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. And we found that that fishing gate in our lives have been down. We're not witnessing as much. And we're not telling others about Jesus. Uh, we're not giving out tracks and, and we're not just uh, lifting up Jesus to others around us. We've kind of got bored with that. We've kind of got lackadaisical with that. We've kind of got lazy. Uh, we've allowed others to distract us and detour us for the souls of men. How many times do we just come to the altar crying our eyes out, burdens upon our hearts for the those that are lost, our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, our family members. And, and friend, how many times do we find at home when we're praying and instead of praying God give me this and God give me that and, and God take this and God take that and, and God would you move in this area and move in that area all selfish reasons is all the prayers that most of us ever offer unto God how many times at home do we cry on the side of our bed begging God to save 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 you know what we need to do in the way of revival is build up our fish gate that means we need to think more often of people not being black or being white or being Spanish or being Oriental, but being souls. Amen. And every soul someday, one day, will find themselves in eternity, whether it's hell, whether it's heaven. Amen. And you could make a difference if we would build up our fish gate, if we'd make that part of our everyday life. And so we talked about that already. Now we're in the old gate, which is right next to the fish gate. We find that uh, the things about the old gate that we need to understand or recognize, and we preached on this, but we'll go quickly over it. Uh, I want you to notice recognizing the old gate. The old gate is the entrance into the temple. Now, why does anybody want to go to the temple? Well, we find going to the temple is the place of God. If you ever want to come to a place of worship and a place of, of, of enduring and even loving the Lord, the temple would be the place that you'd go to there in Jerusalem. Turn your Bibles with me, if you don't mind, to Psalms 42 and look there in verse 1 with me. Just sort of kind of get you the mind of why anybody would go to the temple. The Bible says in Verse 1 of 42 of Psalms, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. You see, it's spiritual here. Already we see that, that panting. My soul thirsteth for God, 
for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? And so he's talking about this, this thirst for God, this panting uh, for God like a deer. We find my tears have been made meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Verse 4 now, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God. That's where this is talking about. To the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept the holy day. So when you get to the place of God, you'll find joy, you'll find praise, you'll find the reason why that you would go and walk through that old gate and go into the temple is because inside that temple you would find joy and praise and honor because it's the place of God. That's where you'd say, my heart is yearning. It's where I'm thirsting for. It's what my soul is wanting. It's what I'm panting like a deer unto God to get back into the place of God. That's where I want to be, the place of God. In order to get there, you've got to go through the old gate. I want you to look at Psalms 48 with me. Just kind of get wet your appetite about this thing about the house of God or the temple. Psalms 48 verse 9 says, We have thought of thy loving kindness. O God, where did you think that at? In the midst of the temple. That's the peace of God. Where, what's the temple? It's the place of God, but it's a peace of God. The peace of God, if I can ever just get to the place of God, I can find the peace of God, amen. And friend, it's going through that old gate and going to the temple because uh, the way of the scripture is saying so clearly and so uh, kindly here in the midst of the temple is my thought of the loving kindness, oh God. Peace. You know why many people today uh, are not at peace? You know why many people today don't have joy and they don't have rejoicing in their heart? And why so many people are miserable today? Because they don't have an old gate to walk through to get to the old temple and get to the house of God, to that place of God where you can have that relationship with Him. I want you to look at another verse in Psalm 65 verse 4. 65 verse 4. The Bible says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness all of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Oh, we find the presence of God there. We find that if you're ever going to live this life for God, you're going to have to live it in the place of God. You've got to live it in the peace of God. You've got to live it in the presence of God. And how do you get there? You've got to walk through the old gate. Amen. You've got to come to the place where that old gate is repaired and able to go forth so you can come to the place in peace and the very presence of God. I'll tell you something else about this gate here in Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 6. Now it's at the entrance to the temple, but it's the first gate to the temple. This is the first gate. That's why it's called the old gate. It makes it the oldest because it's the first. Amen? We all know that. If you're first in your, in your way that you grew up, I was the first child, well, you're going to be the oldest child. Amen? And so I, this is my first job. What's well, going to be the oldest job? And that's just the way things are. And so we find in the Scripture that this old gate was the first gate, which makes it the oldest gate, but it also makes it the strongest gate. It's done lasted longer than all of them. 
It's the oldest. It's the first gate. But not is it the strongest and it's the oldest, but it's the longest gate. We find that it's been there the longest time. This gate right here in this, in this Nehemiah chapter 3, every child from birth was taught this gate. Every Jewish home and every Jewish person was taught about this gate. They were taught uh, to, to go through this gate, and every one of them went through the gate. They walked through this gate, the old gate, because it's getting to the temple. It's going to the place of God, the presence of God, the peace of God. And as a Jewish believer, as a Judaism, you want to get to that temple, and so you teach your youngest child from the very birth of that child. Listen, that's the old gate, and that's where we're going to go in to meet with God. That's where we're going to go in. We're going to take our sacrifice to the sheep gate and they're going to bring the fish in through the fish gate and we're going to go into the temple through the old gate and we're going to worship God. That's what was being said and done. So it's the first gate. It's the entrance into the temple. Can I say number thirdly? That the gate, the old gate, was an important gate. The importance of the gate. For this is where all the elders met. And you'll find this all through the scripture uh, where you'll find where they were at the gate, the elders were at the gate, and that they were doing business at the gate. But at the gate was not only where the elders go, but at the gate was all the business was done. You'll find any kind of land exchange. You'll find any kind of buying and selling. You'll find any kind of, of personal needs going on at the gate. Now, was it just a place of business? But it was where all the answers were given. If you had a question about the Torah, you got a question about God, you had a question about Judaism, you got a question about what's right, what's wrong, at the gate is where you went. And friend, at the gate, they would make plans there. At the gate, uh, they would give truth there. At the gate, all the problems were resolved, talked about, and dealt with. And so we find that the old gate was a place, friend, where you can resolve problems. At the old gate, you'll find the truth is there. At the old gate, it's where plans are made and where plans are accomplished, amen. At the old gate, at the old gate, we find uh, that it was a place, friend, of first, of the place there that anybody and everybody would go to because that's what they've been told to do at the old gate. The old gate was the gate that you and I could look at and say, well, that's how we're going to get into the presence of God. That's how we're going to get into the peace of God. That's how we're going to get into the very uh, place and peace and, and the very promise of God or where God wants us to be is the old gate. We find this gate is recognized as the old ways of God. You say, how, how, how can we apply this to us this morning? Well, the old gate would be the old ways of God. See, the old ways of God is the gate to the entrance of the peace and presence and the very pleasure of God. If you want peace in your life, you've got to go the old ways of God. If you want to go into the presence of God, you've got to go in the old ways of God. If you ever want to come to the place where you can find yourself at the place and presence of God and the peace of God, it's got to go through the old ways of God. The old, that's what the old gate's standing for. We find, secondly, uh, that if you and I this, this evening or this morning are going to go and recognize the, the gate, we're going to know that not only is it the ways of God, but it's the paths of God. 
See, if we're ever going to find the peace and the very place of God and the very place that you and I can find where his presence is at and the very place where it all began and where it all started and where we can get the answers and where truth is given and where the business is taken care of, friend, it's going to be in the old paths of God. I'm trying to make application this morning so we can understand it. It's the old landmarks of God if we want to know and do as God would have us to do and know we're going to have to go through the old. I know today old is looked down upon. I know old today is is not welcomed any longer. I notice today that the old are despised and Matter of fact, I believe our health system is killing off the old. I believe that many today are, are just telling and, and speaking of things, friend, that are not totally true. Churches today are trying to kick out the old and places of business are trying to get rid of the old and, and family members are trying to get rid of the old and we find a society where the old is being rejected and refused today. Oh, but can I tell you so much, dear friend, this morning that you and I cannot find our way to God. We cannot be in the presence and the peace of God. We cannot at all, friend, find the peace of God without the old past, without the old landmarks. We have the old ways of God, friend. We need the old people. We need the old book. We need the old ways. We need the old paths. I want y'all to look at today in our world. Is it the best it's ever been? I mean, everything's looking good. I mean, our world today, in every aspect, in every realm of every fear, we look around, Fred, we find that it's just a joke. It's free people in America, it seems like are getting tired of it. It seems like, Fred, that people are saying, I've had enough of this. People say, listen, we can't allow these small percentages of groups of people to control our lives anymore. We've got to do something different. You know what we got to do? We got to get to the old ways of God, the old paths of God, get down the the old landmarks of God. That's where you'll find it. All this new and renewed stuff is a bunch of junk. It nauseates my stomach this morning. Puke on all the new. We don't need new. We need old. I mean, I, I'm not trying to re-preach what I preached the other night, but I might have to. I might just have to. Can I say here number two? Not only recognizing the old gate, but I want you to know it's repairing the old gate, not rebuilding it. You see, you can't take something that cannot go away and will not ever go away and rebuild it. Only thing you can do with that is repair it. Now, the word repair in that verse here, it means this. It means to strengthen. It means to take whatever's there and strengthen it. It also means to recover it. It means to fortify it. And all I'm saying this morning is this, in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 6, that old gate was broken down, that old gate was tore down, that old gate was still there. And they had to go repair that gate. In order for them to find themselves going into the temple with the peace and the, and the, very, the very pleasure of God and the very, the very presence of God was there and the power of God was there, they're going to have to rebuild it. And you and I tonight in our lives in 2023 are going to have to know if we're going to walk with God, right. we're going to repair. Yes, sir. 
the old gate. We have to repair it. We've neglected it for a long time. We've been looking on Google and Internet. We've been looking in colleges and schools. We've been looking at friends and family. Uh, we've been looking around to find something new to replace this because the world is saying the old-fashioned revival, the old-fashioned book, the old-fashioned Christianity, the old-fashioned hymn book, the old-fashioned living for God don't work anymore. But Fred, they're blinded and dumb. And Fred, Fred, I tell you this morning, they have no idea what's going on. The reason why the world's in the condition it is today and the society's in the society condition is because they left the old book. They left the old ways. They left the old landmarks. If they'd have never left them, we'd not be here today. For all you young people looking for something new, you go ahead. All your group of people and generations prior to you, next to you, friend, they've been looking for new for a long time and they just messed up everything. They've destroyed our country. They've destroyed our homes. They've destroyed our churches. They've destroyed our society. They've destroyed our education. They've destroyed our workplaces. They've destroyed, friend, anything and everything they touch because all they want is something new. And I'm telling you this morning, if you and I are ever going to get with God, we're going to have to go back to the old. Amen. Raise up, repair, strengthen, fortify our old gate. You see, the old ways of God, the old paths of God, the old landmarks of God, they have been here forever. That word old there in verse 6 means this. It means forever. When you look it up and you look at the definition of the word uh, old, you'll find forever right there. You see, friend, we will never, ever, it will never go away. I don't care how old America is and the world becomes, the old past, the old ways, the old landmarks will never go away. Never. You say, well, if we can just get people like you, Brother Larry, out of here, and people like you who stand on these things, we can get a progress, we can go forward, we can fundamentally change America, like Obama said. Oh, but remember one thing, friend. You'll never remove God. That's right. Amen. And the old ways of God will always stand. Yes. Now, it's you and I got to get back to them. Right. You and I got to begin to repair them. Uh-huh. Hey, Amen. I hope you're finding what I'm trying to say. Hope you're understanding clearly. I want you to notice uh, that we don't need the new. We don't need new Bibles. We don't need new worship. We don't need new lifestyles. We don't need new books. We don't need new singers. We don't need new preachers. We don't need nothing new. What we need is the old-fashioned. The old-fashioned preaching of God's Word. Amen. See, the new says it's homosexuality or gay or lesbian uh, transvestite. That's what they say. That's the new. But God said the old is sodomites. Yeah. Let's just get back to the old. That's right. Stop trying to cover it up and stop trying to make it look good and stop making it like it ain't no big deal. Friend, listen. If you're gay, if you're homosexual, if you're a trans, if you're bi, you're a sodomite. Right. That's what the Bible teaches. Getting back to the old. You say, oh, man, you done went across the line. No, I hope I did. And I'll back up and go over it again. Yeah. I'll just keep going over it. Uh-huh. Amen. Try to make a path and a road over that line. 
I can say to you, what else is new to old? Well, the new is this. Uh, the new is cheating. You know, you get in a relationship and you get married and they say, don't cheat on me or they cheated on me. Why did you get a divorce? Well, they cheated on me. They had an affair. Uh, they might use, they fooling around. You know, they use those terms. You know what God calls it? God calls it adultery. Just get back to the new. Get back to the old, amen? Because see, you can say, well, they were just fooling around. That's soft peddling it. You can say, well, you know, uh, they were just uh, vi visiting somebody else. They were just had a, they were in love or fell in love with somebody else. And you can call it all you want to, but the old says it's adultery. That's right. Amen. I like that. I like that too. Don't you like that when somebody says, what happened to you? I tell you what happened to me. I was an adulterer. Uh -huh. Now that'd get you right with God. But when you have to say, well, you know what? Uh, I just lost my love for her. She lost her love for me. And we just, by time, just separated ourselves. And, and you know what? We just became like people living in the house. And, and one of these days, this girl caught my eye. This guy caught my eye. We was just innocently. They had trouble in their marriage. They had trouble in their marriage. And we just went to now to get some coffee and get some cake, some coffee cake. And boy, we was eating some coffee cake and eating some cake. And all of a sudden, she said, hey, or he said, hey, let's go to the park. And they went on down to the park. And next thing you know, friend, we're at one another's house or hotel or motel or something like that. And adultery took place. And you say, what happened to them? You know what? It was just a mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. It was adultery. Right. And you're an adulterer. Uh -huh. Amen. And no adulterer will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, that'll get your attention. Uh -huh. It don't say anybody playing around. Let me give you another one. I'm just trying to get back to the old. That's all. Hope you give me privilege today. I mean, we, don't, we ain't going to come back to church till 9 o'clock tonight. I got a whole day, it seems. Oh, the new, something like this, living together. Yeah, let's just check it out. We can do promotion. We can do, you know, pro probation here. We can check you out for a year, check you out for six months. And boy, if you'll meet the needs, if you are good quality of a wife or you're good quality of a husband, uh, let's see how you do with money. Let's see how you do with sexual relationships. Let's see how you do when you get mad and angry. And friend, we're just going to live together. And boy, that'll help us a whole lot because we can combine our income and we can divide it because both of us are struggling. And you know what? I've got some emotional needs. You got some emotional needs. I got some mental needs. You got some mental needs. I got some sexual needs. You got some sexual needs. You know what? We can just combine it all together and just make this thing and we can just live together and see how it all works out. I'd hate to get married. I hate to put all that money in that marriage. I'd hate to invest all this into a marriage that's not going to happen and going to break up in a year or so. So we'll just try it out. The Bible calls that fornication. Living together is fornication. You're a fornicator. The Bible says that no man who's a fornicator should enter into the kingdom of God. Then that ought to get your attention. Yeah. See, the old, the old kind of kind of grip a little bit right there. The, the old will kind of just say how it is and, and what's going on. I want you to notice another one, uh, alcohol. Yeah. He's a drinker. He likes his wine coolers. He likes his champagne. He likes his beer. He likes his old uh, margaritas. He likes his old uh, Coke and, uh, and uh, whiskey. He likes his old vodka and orange juice. Uh, I think they call it a screwdriver or something like that, jackknife or whatever it is. Bloody Marys and things of that nature. And, and uh, you know, I just like to have a cool one in the evening. I just like to, I just like to you know, get over here in a party and, and have a few beers and barbecue. And, and you know what? I, I just, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But, but Fred, an alcoholic, amen. The Bible calls you a drunk. Yes. That's 
That would help you. Hey, this is my husband. He's a drunk. That's that work. That'd work. Right? Instead of saying, oh, he's an alcoholic. You know, he's been in AA for most of his life. And, uh, you know, he's been the psychologist, psychologist. He's been the medical. He takes this, he takes that, you know. Uh, but you know what? Uh, he's a good guy. He's got a good heart and everything. But no, hey, this is my husband. He's a drunk. Okay, well, I understand it clearly now. The old way. Don't y'all like the old way? Amen. I love the old way. All right. They call it a player. You know what a player is? I don't know too much about that word, but what I do know about it, it's one who just has sexual uh, partners after partners after partners after partners. He's a player. I mean, listen, Fred, he has a girlfriend, but he has other ones too. She got a boyfriend, but, man, she has many others too. I mean, listen, Fred, uh, they just like to have different partners at different times and in different places. And it don't matter if it's a boy. It don't matter if it's a girl. It don't matter in what, where it's at. It's just all a player. Just having, you know what the Bible calls you? Whoremonger. Uh-huh. Now, that would really get hold of you, won't it? Yeah. Whoremonger. If you go out and have sex outside of marriage and, and you go out and be a player tonight, uh, this morning, what you are is a whoremonger. Uh-huh. That's what the old... We'll get back to the old, don't we? Now, the old won't give you many friends, but the old will draw you to God. Amen? I'd rather go to heaven drawing to God than go to hell with having, no, with having a bunch of friends. Oh, I say to you, friend, uh, how about abortion? Abortion says woman's right. Abortion says they have the right to do with their body what they want to do with their body. Uh, they say, listen, if I have a sexual intercourse with a man, uh, a woman there, and uh, we find that she is pregnant with my child, uh, friend, and we decide to have an abortion, this is a free country. I got liberties. I got rights to do so. If I want to have an abortion, if I want her to have an abortion, a uh, friend, it's okay to have an abortion. Well, God said it's murder. Right. That's right. So when you go around and say, Murderer. Murderer, I, I had an abortion. Murderer. See, old just hits it right on the yes, button, right. don't it? Right. I like the old. I don't know if I get done with this message, but I hope at the end of it you'll say you like the old too. We find sickness. The old news says sickness. For example, somebody has an anger problem. They say, well, they just got a sickness. They just got an illness. A woman who gets beat up by a man, they look at the man and, and cross-examine him and try to find out what's going on. They say, well, he just has a disease. He, he has a sickness about him. He's got a, a mental health, a sickness. And then we find uh, those there uh, that has this sickness, uh, something that lies, like somebody who just lies all the time. They say, well, that lie, or that one who lies is, has a sickness. They, they have a, they have a, a disease. They, they have a, a troubling. Uh, they got a mental. They, they got an emotional. Uh, they, got, they got problems. They got troubles. And rather with the sickness is identifying that they can't help it, Brother Charles. Because yeah. if you get sickness, you can't help being sick. So this one who lies... The news says it's a sickness, disease, trouble. 
We take it not only lies and anger, but I think another one that's called a sickness this, this morning is, is the ones there that uh, like gambling. Gambling is a sickness. It's a disease. It's a one who just is out of control. It's one who just has a little bit of trouble, you know, to determine of, of how and what and when. And so uh, they got a gambling problem. But it's a sickness. We find something else that they call sickness is something like a drug habit. People who smoke marijuana, people who take drugs, people who shoot up drugs, snort drugs, people who live on prescription drugs and, and those who abuse all that is given to them, uh, they say, you go to doctors and you go to the therapist and you go to people for him who are supposed to be helping these individuals who are druggists or druggies and they say they have a sickness. They say they have a disease. They always want to bring it back on the mental health of it. Which means it's a medical issue. We find alcohol drinking. They say, why can't this guy stop drinking alcohol? Why? It's a sickness. Have y'all heard that? It's a disease. It needs other help. How about this one? Homosexuality. They say it's a sickness. They say it's a mental health. They say that it's, a, it's something that's within the individual, that they were born that way. Can I tell you what all that I just said is? The new says it's sickness. The old says it's sin. Right, that's, right. that's what the old says. Amen. Sickness, sin. I'm just saying this morning, in repairing the old gate, we got to know that we don't need the new. The old is just fine. Number two, we don't need to look for the new. We're not going to get into Scripture, but Acts chapter 17, verse 21 to 23, the Athenians where Paul went to to preach at Mars Hill, he said unto them, he said, you're always looking and trying to find something new. He said, but right before you is an unknown God whom you worship and don't even know because you're too busy trying to find something new. And the world today is trying to find something new. They're never, ever just satisfied with the old. They want everything new, it seems. I want to go to a church that's not old-fashioned. I want to go to a church that's up-to-date. I, I don't want a Bible that says thou's and these and, and all that kind of stuff, thine's. I mean, I want an up-to-date Bible. I mean, I don't want to go hear a preacher who's just as loud and screaming and this, that, and the other, talking about sin and things of that nature. I want to find an updated preacher, one that just tells you softly, kindly, in about 30 minutes, and he's done. I want to find something new in life for just going to church and serving God and worshiping the Lord and praying and reading your Bible. Friend, there's got to be more to it than just that. No, I got to go find something new where they hang around on the chandeliers and they're up screaming, beating their heads on the walls. They're barking at each other. They're laughing at each other. They're running around the pews. Or they're acting as if they're on some kind of drunken uh, drug or something's wrong with them. I want that kind of new. So I just go to Glory Baptist Church. They sing the same old songs, preach the same old message from the same old guy. 27 years he's been there, won't he leave? Well, I'll leave when God leaves me, calls me to leave, amen? 
But until then, it's the old. We don't need to be looking for the new. We don't need to remove the old and replace with the new. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28 says this, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. I preached on that Sunday. I preached on all this Sunday. Remove not, the Bible teaches. In Proverbs 23, 10, the Bible says, Remove not the old landmark. Again, remove not. So what are we supposed to do with the old? Not remove it. That word remove means depart from or turn away of. The Bible says don't turn away and don't depart from the old. Do not do that. We need to repair what's already been given to us. We need to remember the, the old gate and not forsake it. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 1 through 15. If you turn with me with quickly to Deuteronomy 13, look in verse 7. Uh, I believe we quit here last Sunday night. Deuteronomy 32 and look in verse 7. The Bible says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask the Father and He will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee. What's He telling them? He's telling them, listen, if you want to get with me, if you want to walk with me, if you want the best life ever, if you want to have a life that's honorable and a life that's respectable and a life that's blessed by God, then you don't go forward, you go backwards. Right? It says, remember the old. Talk to the old fathers. Talk to the old generation. Uh, they'll tell you where God's at. They'll tell you how to live for God. They'll tell you how to know how to walk with God. Hey, we're not looking forward. We're looking backwards. It says, remember, remember, remember. Why are we forgetting and forsaking? We find in Isaiah 43, verse 18. Let me read this to you. Remember ye not the former things neither considered the things of old. And God is telling the Israelites, your problem is, is that you have remembered not the former things. That's your problem. You don't remember and you don't consider the things of old. Because as they go into these new uh, places and these new tribes amongst these new people, uh, they're taking on their idols and taking on their customs and taking on their children and taking on their wives and husbands. And God said, you have not remembered of the old. And we find that most people today don't remember the old. They're always looking for the new. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 58 with me. Isaiah 58, verse 12. In Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 12, the Bible says, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of paths to dwell in. God is telling the people of Israel, here is how you be back with me. Here's how you live a life of godliness. Here's how you live where you are and where you're at. And two things he tells them to become. Number one, he says, we repair of the breach. The breach is what's broken. 
The breach is where the gap is at. You say, well, how can I encourage and how can I help me in my family? You've got to be a repairer of the breach. Whatever's broken in your home, whatever's the gap is, you've got to be restorer of it. Amen? That's what he's talking about. And the second thing he says is to be not a restorer, but to be a, a repairer. So a repairer of the breach and a restorer of the past. Turn back to the old past, back to the old Bible, turn back to the old Word of God, turn back to the place, friend, where it all began. Go back to the old gate, the first gate. How do you get into the peace? How do you get into the place? How do you get into the presence of God? You've got to build that back up in the way of being a repairer and taking the restoring responsibility and begin to repair up in your home, in your life, in your church, friend, in order for God God to be there. Build our gate. Let me re repair our gate. Repair it. Let me give you a few things here. Where do we start? We start repairing our gates in our hearts. In our hearts today. Where was it saying our hearts? Well, in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, I'll read it to you. Jesus said this, to love the Lord thy God. Now that's where most people end right there. If I'd say to everybody, listen, if you want to rebuild, want to repair your gate and in your heart, you want to be where God wants you to be, where you can find peace and the presence and the place of God, and God can use you and bless you, and God can, can may, maybe, maybe do something with you that shows favor unto thee, uh, what do you need to do? To love thy Lord, thy God. But it don't end there. It says to love thy Lord, thy God, with all thine heart. In other words, God says, listen, if you're going to build up your old gate, you've got to come into the conclusion of your heart that I'm going to love the Lord thy God with all my heart. There's not going to be a separation in my heart between God and my wife and God and my children and God and my money and God in my life and God in my health and God in my future. No, love me with all your heart. With all your heart. Now that means with all your passion. That means, friend, with all your desire. That means, friend, with everything you've got within you in the way of love towards the heart. And I will love the God with all my heart. Then he says this, to love the Lord thy God with all thy soul. That part of me that never die. That part of me of who I am. The soul, friend, is my will. It's my intellect. It's who I am. It's what I am. When somebody says to them, that guy's kind, or that guy's sweet, or that, girl's, that girl is very uh, generous, or, or that, that woman over there, friend, she's very, uh, very kind. That's who they are. That's their soul. And God said, I don't want you to just love me with just your heart. I want you to love me with all your soul. That very life that's down deep in you. Uh -huh. That very soul right. of who you are. That when you die, it will go to heaven if you're saved. It will go to hell if you're lost. Yes. That soul. But then you don't quit there. Well. Love me with all your heart. Love me with all your soul. But love me with all of your strength. Mm. All thy strength, for all thy mind first, I'm sorry, with all thy mind. 
So he's saying, listen, I want you to love me with all your heart. That's your affections. That's your desires. That's your heart. But then I want you to love with all your soul. That's who you are. Then I want you to love me with your mind, of your intellect, what you think, your imaginations, your thought process. And then lastly, he said, I want you to love me with all your strength. That's your power. That's what you can do physically. Like coming to church. Like reading your Bible. Like praying. Physically. All that I can do physically to love God. To love Him with my mind, my strength, love Him with my heart, and love Him with my soul. Friend, listen, that's what happens when you build or when you repair your old gate. In your heart, you'll find that love for the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. That's how you repair your old gate. As you begin to live your life and begin to do what you do with all your heart, heartily as unto the Lord. And whatever I do amongst this world, if it's at work, if it's at home, if it's at church, if it's among friends, if it's among co-workers, it's going to be heartily that they're going to say about me and my example will be, my testimony will be, my reputation will be that, listen, this individual here, whatever they do, they do with all their heart. That's a gate that's been repaired. Heart. Can I say thirdly? Not only to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and whatsoever you do, do it heart as in the Lord. But Ephesians 6, 6 says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And friend, this is what happens whenever you have your old gate repaired, is now what you live for is the will of God. You don't live for the will of man. You don't live for the will of you. You don't care about the will of nothing. The only thing from your heart that you worry about and concerned about and you live for is the will of God. Whatever the will of God is. So that's, friend, that's when you repair your old gate in the heart. Uh Can I say here, secondly, repairing the old gate in the home. In the home. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, I don't have time to read it. Ephesians 5, verse 25 and 26. You say, well, what, what about the home? Well, let me say it like this. The fathers and the husbands need to begin to lead the home. Amen. Repair your old gate. It's going to look like that the fathers and the Husbands are leading, leading out. They're in charge. They're the ones today who will lead forth. They're in the homes today that will stand up against all opposition. They won't wimp out. They won't be uh, little sissies that's wrapped around their wives as little pinky. Uh, uh, They won't be... be, uh, overtaken. Uh, they won't be uh, friend, uh, over-emotional. Uh, they won't find themselves in a mental place and a friend of where they don't know what to do and how to do it. A uh, friend, they'll be leaders. Leaders. You know what we need today in our churches? Leaders. Amen. We need men 
to lead. You know what we need in our homes is men to lead. You know what's happened to America? Uh, men are not leading. You know what's wrong with going place in our society? It's men are not leaders. Men are, do not have the authority. Men don't have the superiority. The men do not have the strength. They don't have the power. They don't have the know-how. They don't have the willpower. Uh, they don't care. They will give it up over to their wives. Uh, they lay it down before their wives because this is what they say. As long as she's happy, then I'm happy. As long as she's not complaining and griping, as long as she's not doing this, that, and the other, I'm just going to lay down and play like as if I'm not going to hear it, I'm not going to see it, I'm not going to do anything about it, I'm just going to let her do her thing. It just seems to be small. It just seems to be more peaceful that way. It just seems to be more restful that way. Yeah, but you're wrong with God, dear man. We need leaders. It's a shame that men in this room would allow your wives to come to church without you. What kind of leader is that? It's a shame that you're not up in the mornings getting up your children, getting yourself together. It takes a little bit longer for a wife to get up and get going, so you got to give her that space, amen? The guy to get up a little early, got to get up and say, listen, uh, we're going to go to church. Now I'm going to take you to church. It's a shame to me this morning. And I'll be ashamed to you, Fred. You'll be embarrassed if you're a man and you'll allow your, ch- your wife and your children to go on to church without your friend. How can a leader be? You lead out going to steak and, uh, not anything steak and hell anymore. You lead out going to, to steakhouse. You, you lead out going uh, down there to the vacation. You lead out uh, going down to the mall. You lead out going down to the party. You lead out going to the wedding. You lead out going to the funeral. You lead out in a lot of places, friend. But coming to the house of God, you don't lead out at all. And what happens is, is you'll find yourself as a man, a leader of your home, and you're not bringing your family to church. You're not taking your family to church. Next thing you know, your wife gets out of church. Next thing you know, your children don't know anything about church. And next thing you know, in 20 years from now, you look back and say, what happened? I tell you what happened. You is what happened. You say, brother, you're not going to make many friends this morning. And I honestly could say this I, because I, I really do believe it in my heart. I, I'm not even looking for friends. I'm looking for God. And if men of this room would begin to get up off their behind and get on their hind legs and stand up strong with their chest out and with the authority that God has placed upon them in this marriage and tell their home, listen, we're going to have devotion in the, this week. We're going to come together and we're going to read our Bible. We're going to pray and we're going to talk about God and we're going to go to church and we're going to do things right and we're not having that in our home. We're not watching that kind of movie in our home. We're not having that on our internet and we're not going to have to play that game and we're not going to do those things. We're going to honor God in every area in every way. Friend, you'll find You'll find God in that place. Our old gates broken down. Man, fathers, husbands, you're leaders. If you don't want to be a leader, you should never ask her to marry you. You should have thought about that. We find today three things you need to do. You need to give your family direction. 
And while you sit home and they go to church, the direction you're giving them is this, God's not important. Church at all is not a priority. The Word of God is not something I care about. And the souls of men, I don't give a rip. That's the direction you're giving. You're given the direction of your home, dear men, who do not lead your wife and children to the house of God. The direction you give them is this, is other things are more important than God. That's what you're giving the direction of. So that when they find themselves in a place of hurt, in a place of pain, in a place of desperation, in a place of despair, what are you going to say? Let's trust in God. You ain't went to church with me in time. Hey, I got to beg you come to church. I got to, I watch you more times not in church than you are in church. Hey, friend, you don't ever pray with me. You don't ever just read your Bible with me. You never just tell me, listen, let's go in the front room. Let's go in the living room. And let's just get together with God. And let's just cry unto God, ask Him to help our home and our family and save our children and grandchildren. Men, you don't do that at all. But when something comes by, you're going to come by and act like you're spiritual. Honey, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. The direction you have given gave them the direction that God is not that important. He's not the priority of our, of our home. He's not the preeminent of your heart. Direction. Take something else that your family needs from you. It's not a direction. But I notice that they need a discipline. They need a discipline in your life as a leader of your home how to live like a man so that your boys can watch you and live as you have lived. Number two, they need to see in your discipline of what a man of God looks like. Of how a man of God that loves God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. What shall he do? He did heartily as unto the Lord. And all he's concerned about is the will of God. So that you can show forth in your home that as a man I'm giving some discipline to you of how you get up in the morning and read your Bible and how you go at night. I mean, I wonder tonight, does your children ever saw you read a Bible? Hmm. Have they ever heard you pray for them on the side of your bed weeping and crying for their soul? Hmm. Has your wife, and can your wife say this morning that my husband has such discipline such discipline that I know that he loves God. And as the Bible teaches me, when I've got questions, I've got assurance in my heart that he's walking with God, that I can get some answers from the Lord. Direction, discipline. Discipline to your family. When they do wrong, you tell them. Whenever they're going the wrong direction, you go before them. Whenever they're watching and doing and saying and speaking, you're given some discipline. That's not how we're going. We're not so far as we're going to go. That's the line that we're drawing. They say, who are you, a dictator? Oh, no, I'm just living for God. I'm a leader of your home. I'm the leader in my marriage. No, we find direction, we find discipline. But I want you to notice thirdly here this morning, I want you to know that there's going to be a third one that you ought to give, and that is some demands. You demand. You demand that your wife take care of your family. You demand that she clean the house and make the food. You demand 
that she puts clothes on in the public. You demand that she raise up your children in the admonition and nurture of the Lord. Amen. You demand that she respects you. You demand That's right. that she will live for God. Mm-hmm. You demand in your home. You're the leader. You're the authority. Yeah. Our old gates been broke down, hadn't it? Yeah. In the hearts and the homes. Let me tell you this about the women, then we'll close. I got a whole lot more I ain't be able to get to. Mothers and wives, women, in your home tonight or this morning, Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, Ephesians 5, 22 through 26, it mentions that wives to follow your lead. To follow your lead. We find today that our old gate's broken down because our wives just will not obey. They've been told by the women's lib. They've been told by different places on the internet. Been told by different preachers from different pulpits. They've been told by higher educations. They've been told by uh, people that are rich and wealthy. They've been told by people who have great influence and great power that you don't have to obey. You don't have to. You're equal. You're on the same playing field. Everything, Everything is equaled out. You don't have to obey. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. The majority of man's problems in the home is the wife's disobedience. They think they know better. They think they know more. They think that they have taken the place of their husband. They think they have the right to make him obey them. Somehow, some way that they uh, use what they have and, and uh, use what, what they consider to be very much power within the woman's life in order to manipulate right. and to move yeah. the man out of leadership uh-huh. and yet complain because he's not leading. Right. Yeah. Or that they do things that causes such trouble and such problem and chaotic mess that when the husband just raises his head and said, I'm done with you, you won't obey me. And then they complain and tell others that he's a bad husband or that he's not a good leader and that he's not taking care of the whole friend. You're the problem, woman. That's right. That's it. Building our old gate. I love you, church. And I'm just trying to tell you the truth. You women, if you want to have that old gate, you begin to obey your husband. You begin to obey them. You say, brother, I just don't understand. I'm not a child. Are you a child of God? If you're a child of God, you're a daughter of God, then obedience to your husband is obedience to God. Now, if you're not a child of God, then you're a child of the devil, and we understand why you're disobedient, because you've always been disobedient, because he's always been rebellious. So I say to you, wife, mother, you got a problem obeying your husband this morning? you got a deeper problem than just obeying him. you got a, a problem with God. i tell you something else that women need to build their, their gate up, their old gates because of obedience, but because of support. Supporting your husband to be a helpmeet. He's not perfect. He doesn't have all the answers. But your role and position and place in order for this home to be a godly home is that you bring support. That's it. 
You don't tear them down. You don't remove, you don't remove the pillars. You don't constantly put them down. You don't constantly uh, identify his wrong. You don't constantly bring up his faults and failures. You don't constantly point your finger at him and say, you're the problem. You're the reason why we got issues in this house. You're the one who's done all this. It's you. That is not a supportive wife. Amen. I wish God would break your finger. When you start doing that, God just boom. Listen, dear wife, we need to build our old gate up and begin to support the man who goes out and works, who goes out and tries to provide and protect and bring everything into your life that's necessary and needful to come to. He's only human. He's only can do so much. He's got feelings too. He's got emotions too. He gets hurt too. And Fred, he gets discouraged too. He needs a helpmate in the midst of this old wicked world we live in that's trying to crash him down, trying to move him out. The old devil, friend, if you have a husband that's saved this morning, is trying to remove him out of your life in the way of godliness. Listen, support him. Help him. And encourage them. And lastly, how we know we need to rebuild our old gate, dear women, is respect them. Respect them. I tell you, if there's anything this morning that you want to do to knock the wind out of your husband and you want to put your marriage on rocks is to disrespect your husband. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a man through and through. I could take somebody not obeying me, and I could take somebody not supporting me, but I can't take nobody disrespecting me. And not because I'm full of pride, and not because I'm full of arrogancy. Because, friend, I am what I am by the grace of God. He's placed me in leadership of my home, and the role that I place is not I didn't ask for. He told me. And because of that, I need you, wife, right. to respect right. that position and that person. Right. You should never correct him in front of your children. That's right. You should never correct him out in public. No. You should never make him look like a stupid idiot. No. You should never, ever, Fred, when you're there and people are around today, everything you should say from your mouth ought to be true, and it has to be true, but it ought to be something that uplifts and brings respect to your husband. Uh Your children need to look at your husband as the hero of the home. They need to look at the husband as daddy can do it, daddy can make it, daddy can beat up everybody else's daddy. I mean, daddy's smarter than all. Uh You mess with my daddy, you're going down. And not to be from the words of the dad, but the words of the mother. Saying to the children, your daddy loves you. He loves me. He loves God. He's doing the very best he can. Let's respect him. Let's not talk back. Let's not make him be embarrassed of any kind. Let's not make his name be through mud through all the rest of the family. 
That man is doing what he has to do and what he's doing. We're not all uh, right. We're not all without sin, without failures. But friend, listen, it don't take much for you to respect your husband. To, to come to the place and obey him, support him. Men that lead have authority in the way of direction, in the way of demands, in the way of discipline. We'll talk about building up our old gate. And for 2024, I wonder what we're going to do. Let's go to one more verse here. I know I'm a little long, but I don't do that much. <laughs> if you go with me to Jeremiah chapter 6 quickly, which had much, much more time than this. I may do this later, but I just want to hit on this for just a second. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16 is a very popular verse. It says, But thus saith the Lord, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. I want to know thirdly today, not only repairing of the gate and recognizing the gate, but I want to talk about requesting the gate. We find in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16, uh, you're in a crossroads. The Bible says, uh, that says, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways. That's a crossroad. So this morning after hearing the message, we're in a crossroad. You're going to stand in the ways and you're going to see. You're going to look. You're going to perceive. You're going to open your eyes and you're going to see. You're going to have the new way, which is the way you've been living, or the, new, or the old way. God's way. So you're in the crossroads. Right now, you're in the new way. That is, it's full of disappointment. Your home's full of disappointment. Your marriage's full of disappointment. It's full of despair, full of discouragement, full of doubt, full of depression. I believe the majority of homes today fill those areas because we're always living in the new. But Fred, you got on your own crossroads. Now you today you could choose the old way. The old way will bring you full of hope, full of happiness, full of harmony, full of honor, and full of holiness. You're in a crossroads, you gotta make a choice today. Which one will you choose? Which one do you see? Number two, you're in a conversation. The Bible speaks of a conversation here. He says, ask. So either you'll ask for the old paths that I spoke of or you'll ask for the new paths of where you're already at. The old paths is where the good way is. That's the best way. It's the only way and it's God's way. Now the new path is the worst way. It's the popular way though and it's the selfish way. So you're in a conversation right now. Which one will you ask for? The old or the new. You are in a crossroads. You're standing in the two paths. You got the new, you got the old. Which one would you see? Lastly, you're in a controversy. We find the Bible says, and walk therein. The, you have the flesh this morning that says, we will not walk therein. That's what they said in verse 16. We will not walk therein. That was the flesh. So in this controversy that you have within you right now, 
is the flesh is saying, we won't walk in this. I will keep walking like I am walking. I will not change my walk at all. I will continue to fight where I'm at. But the Spirit says, I will walk therein. I will do according to the old book. I do according to the old paths, and I do according to the old ways of God. So you're in a controversy. The flesh is saying, don't do anything. Stay as you are. The Spirit says, repair your old gate. You're in a conversation. What are you asking for? You're in a place today of a crossroads. What do you see? We see today, thirdly, and I close with this thought. Not only that we need a repair in our heart, repair in our home, but we need a repair in the house of God. In the house of God, we need a repair, and it's like this. Saturday night, this is the way it used to be in the old days. Saturday night, we got everybody together. We got everybody at home. We got everybody in bed. We got all our church clothes laid out. We got everything lined out. If mama's cooking that day, she got the crock pot going. She got whatever happening right there. And so Saturday was not a play day. Saturday was not just do whatever you want to and go to bed however late you want to go. Saturday is getting ready for Sunday. That's right. That's the old path. There's so many people coming here. You're tired. You're wore down. You're wore out. Kids are... Their hair's not even combed. Their, their clothes are all wrinkled up. Uh, you, they don't have a Bible. They're walking in. As soon as they get to the pew, they lean over. I mean, you, you, I'm watching you. You're kind of going like this. And I know I'm boring, but man, I don't know if I was that boring. Yes. You know why? Because we're not building our gate in the house of God because we're too busy playing on Saturday. Right. That's right. Saturday, we make decisions about going to church on Sunday. We're ready. We got our church closed out. We're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Amen. Then we come to the house of God. We come to the house of God with our Bible. Mm-hmm. If you come to the Bible, you come to church this morning without no Bible, you're not serious. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're away from being serious. You're a joke. There's no, there's no seriousness about you with God at all. Mm-hmm. That's like you going out to get in your car and you don't take your keys. <laughs> Is that, is that serious? Hey, I'll be back. I'm going to the store. And you, go, and you don't take your keys. You're just sitting in your car. You're not serious about that. You know what? I can tell you right now, your relationship with God is as much as you read His Word and pray during the week. If you don't open His Word and don't read it and you don't pray, then you don't have no relationship with God. If you do it just a little bit, you got a little bit. If you do it a whole lot, you got a whole lot. You see, the house of God, you come in clothed. Right. You come in at your best. You come in at your brightest. You come at your alertest. I, I'm awake. I'm ready. I got my Bible. I'm going to worship and sing for God. I'm going to do His business today. I'm going to fall down on my face and lift Him up today. I come to worship God. And friend, that's what the church, you don't bring your bottles of water. You don't bring your cookies. You don't bring your gum. You don't bring your wrappers. You don't bring your books. You don't bring your phones. You don't bring your toys. You don't bring coloring books. You don't bring colors. You don't bring any of that nonsense. 
said, you're coming to hear God's word and listen to the Lord so that I can walk with God and I can go to heaven when I die and I won't have no distractions. I didn't have time to preach this, but I just had to do it. Build our okay in the house of God. Let's make sure 2024, our gates built in our heart, in our home, at the house of God. Let's get serious. Time's running out. Days are shortened. I pray, friend, that you take the Bible seriously today and you'll make decisions according to the old way. Let's stand to our feet. Our eyes are closed. If you need to come to the altar, you can come. And I guess the thing to, to say this morning is I've come to rebuild my gate. I've come to rebuild it. It's been down for so long. The old ways of God, the old word of God, I've kind of let, let it pass through. As a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a grandmother, as a grandfather, as a child, as a brother and a sister, I got some work to do. I want revival. This is the road to revival. Rebuilding or repairing the old gate. You come. You come. Won't you come and just get saved this morning? But I'm not in any of it. I don't care about it. But I don't want to die and go to hell either. Won't you come and get saved? Won't you come and repent of your sin and by faith receive Christ? Aren't you tired of you? Aren't you tired of your, of your ways? Aren't you tired of it? You sing, Brother Jarms. You come on down. We got all the time in the world. It ought to be this morning, maybe a spouse get a hold of the other spouse and said, let's go down and let's start rebuilding our gate. Rebuilding our old gate. Maybe mom and daddy grabbing the children and saying, let's go down there and start rebuilding our old gate. Maybe the children come to the parents and said, boy, I need to start rebuilding or repairing our old gate. Our relationship ain't as good as it should be and it's my fault. Where do you stand today? Just stay with the new. Just stick. Stick where you're at. If you're in the old way, man, amen, hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful, wonderful thought that is this morning. All for Jesus. Repairing the old gate.
These gates have been broken down and burned up for over 150 years in Nehemiah. Nehemiah decided he's going to start rebuilding and repairing. I wonder how long it's going to take before us we begin to repair. I'm going to pray this morning. Father, you brought me under conviction this morning because I need to repair my old gate. Lord, I need to get back to the old ways, the old paths. Lord, I need to get back to the old black book. God, I need to make sure that I'm obedient and I'm in the very direction that you want me to be. Father, you've placed me in my home as the authority. And God, that may I be that authority. You place me as the head, and God, I may. I pray that I be the head. I pray, Lord, for my wife, God, that she'll be in the place, dear God, will she be concerned about what God thinks. I pray you'd even touch her here today, dear God, and wherever she may be. Lord, that you'd move in her heart. Oh, God, I, I pray, Father, for every home, for every heart represented right here. God, that we'd all be so concerned about repairing the old gate that we'd all get back. God, that we'd all get back to the old ways and old paths. God, I know that we're standing in the crossroads and I know we have a conversation. The the comfort is great. I pray, Lord, that we'd choose God, choose you. And oh, I know you'll restore, God, and you will bless. I know that 2024 could be a good year for our homes and our church and for our lives if we We'll just go back. I pray, God, you give us the help. In Christ's name, amen. Bless you, church. to be holy, speak off with thy Lord, abide in him always, and feed on his word, make friends of God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting in seek. Take time to be holy, the world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus shalt be thy friends in thy conduct his likeness shall see take time to be holy be calm in thy soul each thought and each Spirit.
Of love, the soon shall be 